Welcome to podcast number 163 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. Today we're going to continue our teaching in the area of finances. And today's podcast is entitled, How to Experience Financial Freedom. There's a lot of ways to describe financial freedom. One is freedom from debt. Another would be freedom from worry or anxiety or fear or doubt or questions or possibly not being free to trust God in the area of their finances. So whatever the area that you're needing help with, I believe the Lord is going to help us address that as we go through the scriptures and go through a podcast, I believe, that will help us understand how to receive financial freedom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity I have once again to bring this message at this time to those who are listening in. I pray that you would bless it, anoint it, and I ask, Father, that you would help us to read your scriptures and that you would reveal to us exactly how the proper interpretation of that scripture should be to help the needs of those who are listening in. Holy Spirit, you take control. It's your show. It's your business. It's your word. So I yield and submit totally to you. I pray that you would bless it now and that you would anoint it and that people receive the blessing of being financially free. And I'll give you praise for it in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I get too far into this podcast, I want to give you a little bit of background on to some of the things that I've experienced in my life. Maybe that'll help you have an understanding of where I come from and why I feel the way I do in the area of financial freedom. Now, please excuse my personal references in finance and lending and managing our finances, but I believe that those experiences will be of value to each and every one of us. I know it has been of value to me and in the years of those that I've been helping to get a handle on their finances. Now, after returning from Vietnam, I went to work for a small collection company, a very difficult job. I only lasted there a couple of months and I quit. But after that, I went to work for a large bank for 15 years. I started as a drive-through teller and worked as an operations officer, lending officer, bank manager, regional vice president, and finally, state retail banking director. So with that, I've been blessed to have a lot of experience in the area of finance. I taught bank operations and finances for six years in the community college system here in Arizona. So I have always enjoyed addressing the topic of finances because I know so many people struggle with it and have challenges with it. So after my banking career, my wife and I started a real estate development company. We built custom homes. I did small shopping centers and various types of real estate development work. And we did that for about 20 years. That is when the Lord called us to sell our business and go into full-time ministry as a pastor. We founded a church in Scottsdale, Arizona and pastored that for 18 years. Then we merged with a larger church that I had known the pastors and the board members of that church for well over 30 years. That is probably enough information about me probably a little too much information, but I wanted you to understand how the Lord has trained me in his word, how to teach Christians to handle their finances. I have been blessed to offer biblical counseling to over 10,000 individuals over the last 30 years. So let's get moving into this lesson today and see what the Lord has for us. Let's look at 10 of the most common questions that I get about finances. When I sit down with people to talk to them about their finances, one of the things I like to find out is what's on your mind? What brought you here? brought you to this point. And with that, I believe we have to start off with the Word of God. Otherwise, we'll be setting this up on a wrong foundation. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 6, the Bible explains to us the teachings of Jesus here. He's talking about money and possessions. And a very powerful scripture stands out that I believe is the beginning of our understanding of how to deal with anything in life, and particularly in the area of our financial understanding. So I'm reading Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus says these words, Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, I don't know why we need any more than that. Quite frankly, that is the foundational scripture that I want to use today, that we need to seek God first in all of our desire to be blessed financially and to receive financial wisdom in all that we do. The list of my most frequently asked questions is not is not in a particular order. It's not that one is more important than the other, but let me just start with number one I've listed here, and here's the question that I hear from a lot of folks, and maybe it's a question you might have. Why do I run out of money before I run out of the month? It's also known as living paycheck to paycheck. Well, you know, it's so important that we understand that we don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. We can live from basically blessing to blessing. God wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. And we don't have to worry about running out of money before we run out of the month. If we'll listen to all the various steps, like things on controlling spending and being wise in our decision making and do due diligence when we go out to make a decision to make any type of major purchase. And if we pray about our our needs and pray about asking God as to what type of decisions we need to make. All these things go together in order to help us put a plan together. We need to have a plan of attack. That's called a budget. I'm going to get into these in more detail as we go through this particular podcast today, but it's important to understand that people run out of money before they run out of month, which simply means maybe on the third week of the month, their money is gone. They still have a month of expenses to deal with. And most people cover those expenses through borrowing money, charging money, going out and using credit cards when they really shouldn't. And those are things that, that we have a tendency to do. And if we do those continually, we'll wind up getting deeper and deeper in debt and never be able to answer that question, why do I run out of money before I run out of the month? So let me just give you a scripture to wrap this particular item up. It's found in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 9. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Here's what it says about our finances. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You know, two things go together there. One is we have to have a plan. There must be a financial plan in order for us to answer this question about running out of money. And secondly, once we get a plan, we need to pray and ask God to direct our steps and help us to make the right decisions in every area of our finances. That includes budgeting and examining our spending and making good decisions based upon wisdom, counsel, and help from others, and especially prayer. If we don't have prayer in our financial plan, we're basically starting off handicapped and we'll head off in the wrong direction. Question number two, which is most common, how do I make more money to cover my expenses? Well, now I realize that many people need more money to meet their expenses because their expenses are what they believe are fair and they're correct, but they just don't make enough money to cover the cost of living. I know house rents have gone up and car payments have gone up and the cost of living has gone up. We're hitting inflation right now in our country and that's just devastating to most people. But many times it's not how much money you make, it's how you spend the money that you have. Most of those I meet with each and every council that I have have no idea how much they need each month to pay their bills, to give to the church, to pay for gifts, to pay for emergencies, to put money back for vacation or entertainment or whatever. Most people do not understand what it costs them, literally, each and every month to live. Now, a lot of people will tell me, well, Pastor, I know what it costs me to live because I make $5,000 a month and it's gone at the end of the month, so it must take me my entire $5,000 to cover my expenses. Well, that that's not the way to look at it. We've got to budget everything to determine exactly what we spend every month over the course of a year. 
year. For example, most people never budget for vacation. Most people never budget for emergencies. Most people never budget for giving gifts out at Christmas or birthdays or holidays. And those are things that we've got to plan for. And we plan for those by having something called a savings account. It's said that in America today that something like 70% of Americans are not able to handle up to a $400 monthly expense that would be a surprise or something like a breakdown of a refrigerator or a repair in their house of some kind or a car repair or whatever it might be. They're just not prepared for it. It's because they have never set up a plan for good savings. Now, I'm a person who believes when you get your money coming in, you need to first take a certain amount out and give that to the work of the Lord. And let's say it's 10%. That's what I believe it should be. Now, after you pay 10% to the Lord, you should be able to give 10% to yourself for savings and learn how to live on 80% of what you make. Now, if you'll stay with me through this podcast, I think you'll come to an understanding that it's a step-by-step approach. A man plays his plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you're going to see that as we go through this process right now. It's very important that I refer to you right now, a book that I've written. It's called Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. If you want to go to my webpage, and I'll give you information at the end of this podcast about that book. But in there, I have many examples of, of a way to set up a savings account, to set up a program of giving to the Lord, a program of organizing and controlling your expenses, and make a list of what it costs you to live each and every month over the course of an entire year. So with that, we need to gain wisdom, right? So James chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us that we need to have wisdom. So I think that's something we need to seek, gain wisdom, and when we gain wisdom, we'll gain understanding, and then we'll make better decisions, and our finances will start to improve with each decision that we make. Now let's move on to question number three in my most frequently asked questions. This is a question that I ask people when they sit down right off the box. I say, what does financial freedom mean to you? Now, it varies with a lot of people. Some say it means having more money than you need to know what to do with. They're having so much money in the bank that you can never spend it all. Well, that's not financial freedom at all. That may be a financial problem. It depends on our debt situation. To be free is not to worry, to trust God, and to completely put everything in his hands. To avoid greed is financial freedom. The Bible warns us and tells us to avoid every form of greed. So we've got to understand that financial freedom is getting control over all these areas of worry and anxiety and fear and doubt and lack of trust. These are things that we need to have. So let's go once again to the Word of God and see what it has to say about this issue. I'm reading out of the book of Romans, that is chapter 13, verses 8, 9, and 10. We may move a another verse or so down that, but let's just see how the Holy Spirit guides us now this. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, Roman 13 and verse number 8. Owe nothing to anyone. Well, most of us would have to agree that that might help us in the area of financial freedom. But being debt-free may not mean that you are completely free in your financial decisions. It says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. So there's a debt that we can never get paid off, and that is an obligation that we have to love others. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law, your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Now, some people might say, what in the world does love have to do with me being financially free? Well, if we learn how to love others and love ourselves and love God, then we'll want to do those things that are proper in every area of our life, and that includes the area of finances. This might be a little bit of a stretch to some people to say, well, I just can't see how love is going to help me to 
become a better person with my finances and have freedom. Well, if you love someone, there's a freedom relationship between you and that person. If you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and on your mind, then you're going to be free in every area of your of your life, including the area of finances. So I believe having love in our walk with God, a love for others, and a love and a desire to help others, and a love to ask for God's direction in how to handle our finances, it'll go a long way in helping us to be financially free. Let's move on now to frequently asked question number four. Why do so many struggle with their finances? Well, that's a really great question. Here's a few answers, at least some I think that'll be helpful to you. Here are my top three or four. They don't have a plan of action. I've said this before, and that's got to be repeated throughout this podcast, because if you don't have a plan of action, your finances can never be successful. Number two, they spend more than they make. Now, that's obvious. If you spend more than you make, you're going to have to make it up somewhere else. You say, well, how can I spend more than I make? Well, you spend more than you make when you borrow the balance on credit cards or from other people, get loans of some type, or take your money out of your savings account, whatever it might be, you're spending more than you make. So you you borrow to keep on spending. You use credit cards to keep on spending. So people have to learn how to spend what they make. Live within your means. Don't live above your means. That's the way America kind of runs its operation. We live above our means. Well, that means we're living above what we actually make and the money that we have coming in. We can't do that. We've got to set up a plan to live within our means, live within our income, and watch God. bless it. Now, I understand. Please don't get angry with me here. There's some people here just don't make enough money to cover the basic expenses. Well, that's in another area of my teaching, and I hope to get some of that today. If not, I'll be talking about that in upcoming lessons and also talking about that in the book that I've written. Okay, number three, they struggle with wants, needs, and desire. That's why people struggle with their finances. They don't understand the difference between wants, needs, and desires. Now, wants are things that we feel we just got to have. I've used the example of, of some who will come to me and say, Pastor, I just really need to get another television set, and they've already got four televisions in their home. They don't have a need. They have a want, or they have a desire, something that they want to get, and it's not necessarily something they need. So we got to be careful when we understand the difference between wants, needs, and desires. God says that he'll supply our needs. Let's look to the Word and see what he has to say about that. I guess if we're going to get advice from someone about wants, needs, and desires, we might want to hear what the Apostle Paul had to say. Now, he wrote a letter to the Philippians. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. And in that letter, he wrote it while he was in jail, most likely in Rome. And here's what he has to say about his needs, wants, and his desires. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, at the moment, I have all I need. (laughs) I find that almost comical. Now, it wasn't funny to Paul because he was in jail. He says, and more, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. He says, there are, they are sweet smelling sacrifices. This is acceptable and pleasing to God. He says in verse 19, listen to this, talking about wants, needs, and desires. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So Paul is very specifically talking about basic needs. And he said he was blessed so much from the people who were giving to him that his needs were met. And I know our needs vary with people, but in reality, they shouldn't. Needs are basic needs. God said in his word that he would supply all our needs and he would bless us and we would never lack for anything. So that doesn't mean we need six television sets or or four off-road vehicles to go up into the mountains. I'm not saying those things are bad. It's just God is telling us that we need to understand the difference between wants, needs, and desires. God promised to meet our needs. Our wants and our desires are things that we need to pray about, seek God for, and ask Him how they fit into our financial plan 
and only approach those things when we are in a position to be able to afford those expenses and to purchase those things. But let's not take away from our giving to the Lord in order to bless ourselves with something that we either want or we desire. I hope you don't feel like you're being beat up on this, but I just feel very strongly about it. It's a very important part of teaching people how to get their finances in order and to be financially free. Now, question number five, is filing bankruptcy a proper step towards being financially free? I get asked a lot of times about bankruptcy. First of all, the answer to that question is yes and no. It can be a good step and it can be a bad step. Let me explain it. Bankruptcy in itself is not a sin unless greed or wrong motives or excess spending is what caused it. Bankruptcy can be necessary to help us with health issues or pay expenses or maybe a divorce that you've gone through or maybe a loss of income, a loss of a job. Bankruptcies can be necessary and so they can be good. They can be a positive thing. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to say, how in the world can a bankruptcy be positive? Well, the Word of God tells us that we should pay our debts to other people. But in the old days, if they didn't pay their debts, they went to jail. They just literally picked you up, you and your family, and you were a slave to other people until you paid your obligations. But today, the laws basically say that if you're not able to pay your bills, there's something called bankruptcy. You can file it, clean your debts out, and get a fresh start, a new start. Now, I'm opposed to bankruptcy. If a person is filing bankruptcy because they just charged up a whole bunch of things on credit card, they are living way above their means. They've got debt way more than they can handle. They live in a home they can't afford, but drive cars they can't afford, and live off of credit cards and borrowing from people. And then they file bankruptcy. That, I believe, is incorrect. And a person needs to change their life in order to to get God's blessing in the air of their finances. The Bible says that it is okay to ask for debt forgiveness. So I'm just going to tell you, if you have financial obligations, you might want to just go to that person and say, is there some way you can help me or forgive some of that debt and relieve me from some of this? And maybe you won't have to file bankruptcy. I'm not pushing bankruptcy. I'm not saying that's the way to go. You should do it right now. But there are times when bankruptcy may be the only avenue that you can take. And if you've had to do that, you will suffer the penalty of having bad credit for many years, maybe six or seven or eight years, and you need to reestablish yourself and start all over again. If we've had to file bankruptcy, then we should go back and find out what caused it. Was it because of a divorce? Was it because of health issues? Was it because of a lost job? That can be somewhat understandable. But if it's because we're just out of control and have the wrong motives in our spending, then I believe bankruptcy can be a sin and we must avoid it and ask God for guidance and direction in which way we should go to solve our financial issues. Here's question number six. Can we have a loan on our new home and be financially free? Well, let me give you a conditional or qualified yes. The conditional is, is if you have the loan and the loan payment is within your budget and you have a plan to pay that loan off, then yes, it can be just fine. There's nothing wrong with having a loan on a house that you have to live in. You're either going to have to pay rent to someone. You sign a note, an agreement that you're going to make rent payments when you rent a house. What's the difference in that and signing a note or an agreement that you're going to make payments on a loan that you get? With the loan that you get, you'll grow equity and build equity and have something to stand on. With rent, it's pretty much the money just going out the window and there's nothing left after you've spent all those years of paying rent. So I don't have a problem with getting a loan to buy a home. The exception would be if that home is more than you can afford or if that home is so expensive that it's 
robbing you from giving of your finances to the work of the Lord or to bless other people. It's so important that we understand that God wants to bless us, but he also wants to keep our finances in order and have some kind of a plan, some kind of a program whereby we actually control our spending. We we evaluate our spending. We do our due diligence to understand what we can afford and what we cannot afford. So the overall answer to that question, is it okay to get a loan in your home? I think it's just fine as long if, as things fit into your budget. A home loan is okay if it does not restrict us from enjoying life. If, it's, if it puts pressure on us because it's just too expensive, we might need to get rid of that house, buy a lesser expensive house, and reduce our monthly obligations. Now, the Bible tells us that we should pay off our debts and we should owe money to no one else. Well, there are times when a loan is necessary. If you get a job and you need a car to drive to that job and you only way you're going to get a car is to borrow money from someone and make payments on it, then get a loan that you can afford. But you've got to get to that job. You've got to get to that work. And so a loan for a car may be fine. But if that car is way too expensive and messes up your budget, then I think it's something that's damaging and dangerous and will not give you financial freedom. Now, let's move on to question number seven. Is it okay for a church to borrow money to build their facilities? And I believe yes. But the church needs to have a plan to pay that loan off. In all debt, we got to have a plan to pay it off, a program to pay it off. And in many cases, you can increase your payments by paying additional principal and get that loan paid off. You see, I believe the question about a church having a loan in order to build their facility is the same as if we get a loan to live in a house. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but there must be a plan to pay it off. Question number eight, why do less than 10% of Christians give tithe or 10% of their income to the church? Well, first of all, it's a lack of trust in God. There's no question about it. They have not understood that God is our source. James 1.17 tells us that God is our source. He's our source of strength and help and everything that we do. It reminds me of the story about the guy who was giving money to his church. He went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, when I was making $1,000 a month, it was so easy to give $100 a month in my tithe. But now that I'm making $5,000 a month, it's very hard for me to give $500 a month to the church. So the pastor said, well, then let me just pray that God will reduce your income back to $1,000 a month so that you can meet your obligation to pay your tithe and give 10% of your income back to the church. The guy said, that's okay. I think I'll work it out. Now that's, I don't know if that's a true story or not, but it's one that I've heard many years. And it's something we need to understand about. And that is that we need to be able to give to the Lord from the first fruits of what we receive. And I know that then God will bless it. Question number nine, what does God mean when the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver? Well, let's read the scripture and let's just see what it says. And then we'll talk about what it means. I'm reading in 2 Corinthians chapter nine and verse number seven in the New Living Translation. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. What that's telling is that don't don't let people beat you up about being putting you under pressure so that you give reluctantly. You feel like, well, I better or they're going to drive me nuts or drive me crazy. That's not the kind of giving God wants. God wants us to give from our heart. He wants us to give because we want to give. We desire to give. That we do it cheerfully. When I was pastoring our church, we pastored the church in North Scottsdale for almost 20 years. And during that time when I took the offering, I'd tell people, we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And I got them to where they would applaud and be happy because I said, God loves a cheerful giver. So why don't we 
just be happy about giving. Now, if the pastor says they're going to take up a tithe or offering right now and ask you to give to the church and you're sad or you're doing it reluctantly or you're irritated about it or do you think it's not right, then that's not going to be blessed of God. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to give him first from what we have and to give it cheerfully and be happy about it. And when we are, then we know that our heart is in proper alignment. So I think people don't understand the importance of being a cheerful giver. And that's why so many people in America do not give 10% of their income to their church. And the last question that I get often is, I'm listening at is number 10, how will I know when I'm financially free? Now, some of you might be saying, well, that's simple. I'll, that's an obvious answer to that one. I'll just know. Well, it's not always true. We can be in debt and be happy and be free. We can also be out of debt and not be happy and free. There are people I know that don't owe a penny to anyone else, but they are miserable. They're not happy. They're not filled with joy because they've not received the joy of the Lord as their strength. Now, it's important that I clear something up here. I'm not saying that keep your debt because it'll keep you happy. I'm not saying that at all. But obviously, one of our goals is to become debt-free, and that'll help us in our comfort and our freedom and our finances. But just because you get out of debt doesn't mean that you're financially free. To be financially free means that we seek God first above all else and that we put him first in all of our decisions and all that we do. We pray, we read the word of God, we seek counsel, we get help, and we have a plan to become debt free. If we have a plan to become debt free, then we will then reap the reward of that when we see that mortgage being paid off or that car being paid off. And a lot of people truly understand the meaning of financial freedom when they're relieved of debt. But others may not be able to feel that freedom because they keep having that desire to want more and to want more and to want more. We've got to understand that God wants us to be debt-free and he tells us to pay our debts off. But when he says we're to pay our debts off, that means he understands that there are times when we're going to have debt, we're going to have obligations. And let's just be sure that when our obligations are paid off, that we don't go back into debt, that we don't repeat the things that put us in debt and cause us to be under that kind of condemnation nation and that pressure and a lack of freedom in our finances. We need to, as a quick review, we will know when we are free, when we seek God first in all that we do, and that we avoid greed and we trust God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. We will give cheerfully. We will understand what generosity is all about. And we are at peace and we understand what our needs and our wants and desires are. Those are the steps to financial freedom. There's a lot of other things I could say, but I think what I'll do is just just close this time and just pray and ask God's blessing on you. Father, thank you for those who are listening in. I pray you would bless them. I pray that you would anoint their finances. I pray that you would help them to understand their dream and their goal to be debt-free is not only a possibility, but it's a guarantee that you will help them become free of debt that they have faith. Because faith is a substance, and that substance we can experience and feel when we have no longer any obligation in our finances other than just to pay for our basic needs that we have. I pray blessing on those, Lord, who need more income and that when they get that income, they'll understand how to handle it, not just spend every bit of it, but get that income so that they'll be able to someday be totally debt-free with no debts whatsoever. And I thank you for that. I believe, Lord, that many are going to change the way they think and the process they have in dealing with their finances. I pray that you'll bless them and help them. I'll give you all the praise for it in advance, for I ask these things now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
And, you know, if you would like to get additional information on my teachings on finances, I have to refer you to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you go there and pull up my webpage, you'll see a list of books that I've written. The one I've been using for this particular series is entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. Now, there really is a joy in being debt-free. I know. I've experienced that. At times in my life, I've had debt and obligations, but there's been so many times in my life where I haven't free of debt. It's a wonderful feeling. So I just pray that maybe you might pick that book up and it might be a blessing to you because it has helped so many. I pray that it'll be a blessing. In addition to that, you can go on my webpage to my link to my podcast and you can pull up the 163. And there's a lot of teaching on finances, a lot of teaching on generosity. There's also a number of lessons on the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit and what it is to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and the power gifts of the Spirit. I talk about prosperity, not only financially, but spiritually. So there's a number of topics that are in our teachings in Quality Christian Living. I hope that it'll be a blessing to you that truly it will bless the steps that you take towards living financially free. And I also want to say that if you're interested in subscribing to my podcast, you can do that on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, the next podcast that I'm going to be doing will most likely be in the area of finance, but I'm really kind of praying right now to determine which area I want to go to because in my heart, I think it's time to move into a new series about dreaming, how to see our dreams fulfilled and what is a dream and why should we seek guidance and direction literally from our dreams. So I believe that there's a teaching that I'm going to do. So I can't tell you right now what the next podcast will be. I'll just pray about it. And by next week, when I put out my next couple of podcasts, I'll know exactly where we're going and we'll just take it from there. So I just pray now that you'll be blessed in all that you do, that everything that you put your hand to, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So until next time, may God richly bless you and may you experience what it is to live free financially. I thank you for listening in. Look forward to next time.